Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Practicology Podcast. So good to have you with us as we seek to help you bridge the gap between the ancient scriptures and everyday life. In last week's episode, Mike Knox took us to the Lord's teaching in the Sermon on the Mount about how we are to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And we talked about how those two callings, salt and light, are like rumble strips. That was a a helpful analogy. They are like rumble strips that keep us in the radical center in our relationship with the world. On the one hand, we can't compromise Christ's teaching on our Christian walk. On the other hand, we can't seclude ourselves from the world either. We're not to be isolated. We are to be separate and seen. We are to be utterly separate for Christ right under the world's nose. Now, some of our listeners gave us some feedback. We know you appreciated that teaching, but you also had some questions about it. Questions like, hey, I'm a stay-at-home mom, raising my children, working here in the home, working hard. We know you are, and we appreciate that. But you might ask, how can I be a better light when I don't seem to have many opportunities to be with non-Christians these days? Or maybe somebody's saying, Hey, my life is already so full. I'm busy serving the local church, helping with outreaches, caring for family and friends and so on. And I've got my job. And now you want me to find time to be salt and light? How, how can I do all this? Mike, how does our text in Matthew chapter 5 speak to those questions? Right. Well, those are excellent questions. And I do think the passage helps us. Let me read it again so it's fresh in our minds. Here's the Lord's teaching in Matthew 5, 13 to 16. He says, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Now, last time we said that this teaching in this passage is so rich that we need three different pairs of words to draw it out. And we looked at the first word pair, which was, we are to be separate and seen. Now, if we look at the next two word pairs, I think it will help guide people with the questions you mentioned, Matthew. And these next two word pairs are this. This passage is calling us to be individual and communal, radical, and ordinary. Yes, you did mention those three word pairs last episode. Thank you. But help us, Mike, what exactly do you mean by individual and communal? Well, let's say someone hears all this talk about being salt and light to the world, and then they raise this objection. They say, hey, the other day, I boosted someone's battery. Like, I was a light to the world, and nobody got saved. In other words, this objection is is saying, "It, it doesn't work. Even non-Christians do stuff like boosting people's batteries. And I need to do something so amazing, so utterly amazing, that then they'll get saved. What's the point of giving two hours to serve in the community when even my secular friends do that and no one will get saved by it? Well, this passage is, is coming to us and saying, we need to remember that we're to be individual and communal. When the Lord Jesus says here that you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world, he's, he's using the plural word in Greek. He's saying you all, you all are the light of the world and, and the salt of the earth. And this is full of comfort for us. Our Lord is speaking from a framework that is not hyper-individual. It's, it's not 
calling and, and, and demanding that Mike Knox be this amazing hero. No, we are all just one grain of salt along with the whole church in the world. The Lord is saying, you, you all are my disciples and followers. You all are the salt of the earth. And notice when he comes to the light of the world imagery, he says, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Why? Well, partly because it has multiple structures and it is up uh, elevated on a hill, but partly because of the collective force of all the lights of the city. In other words, if we're in danger of thinking, I'm paralyzed from acting because no little contribution I can make can change the world. Well, listen, we need to take comfort from this. I'm one grain of salt. I'm one light contributing to the whole net lighting effect of the church. And it humbles us and relaxes us. We learn to trust in the providence of God. We say, Father, you can take my little light. You can take my one grain of salt and mingle it with that of all your people and use it to make a net effect in the world. Matthew, I'm just remembering right now how I was with you a couple years ago and some of the sisters had this idea of having an ice cream night at the gospel hall. And there's just so much to love about that. Uh, the Christians were being a light to the world, inviting the non-Christians in the community around to come and get to know the believers that fellowship with you there. And, and the event made use of different gifts. It wasn't just all dependent on one person, but, but there were some who are good at organizing, others can invite, some are good at welcoming people, others are quiet and, uh, and are easily able to associate with those who are also quieter and introverted. So just, just it's an example of everyone together being a light and salt together. So, so let's remember this business of being individual and communal. I need to engage, yes. I need to be salt of the earth and light to the world, yes. But I'm just one light. The Lord has provided many others too. I'm just one grain of salt in a whole cellar that the Lord has. And God is providentially working it all out. This is a real mind shift for us today. We're a very hyper-individualistic culture where I, I just think everything has to depend on me. But I think the very starting assumptions of the scripture are often challenging us on this. The Lord isn't just needing <laughs> or calling me to be the superhero who does it all. No, I just, I give my one little contribution and allow our father to providentially work it all out. Yeah, I think that's good, Mike. I think actually it's really important for us to remember that God has a big work going on. He's a big God. He's much greater than us. And he's doing things through a lot of people. And while at times our contribution may seem small, it is part of the big thing that God is doing. And to that stay-at-home mom, I might say, I might also add, you know, you are having a massive influence on raising others who are going to be salt and light. And maybe you think that your interactions with the outside world are few, but the Lord can make those very meaningful. However small they may be, the Lord could use them in a greater way than you expect. Also, there may be different times in your life, different phases where you've got different ministries to focus on. That's true for all of us. And maybe while the children are young and at home, you uh, don't have some opportunities that you might otherwise desire, but those opportunities may come along at a different stage in your life. The Lord is over all those things too. So, Mike, I realize you still have one more word pair to get through, but I think already we're answering some of those questions that we started with. 
And as you're saying now, the stay-at-home mom is not the only light the Lord has, nor is she the only grain of salt the Lord has to get the attention of people in the world. So we all need to learn to rest in the providence of God, trusting Him to use our seemingly little contribution to aid the big overall contribution of the whole people of God. Yeah, exactly right, Matthew. And those are some great words uh, that you've just spoken there. And I think our third word pair will help some more as well. And that is that we're to be radical and ordinary. So the Lord says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. The Greek here is emphatic. It means you and you only. You people of me, you followers of me, Christ is saying, you and you only are the salt of the earth and light of the world. Of course, 2,000 years earlier, Moses had gone up in a mountain and the people of Israel had heard their identity, who they were. They were God's treasured possession. They were a kingdom of priests. They were salt and light to the nations, a, a witness for the Lord. And then on the mountain, they received further instruction on how to live that out, on the ways they were to live so that they could fulfill those callings. And now in parallel fashion, our Lord goes up on the mountain he gives us our identity. We are salt and light to the earth. And, and the Lord is saying, now let me take the rest of the Sermon on the Mount to unpack what that means for your life. In other words, the Lord here is calling us to a very radical calling. You, me, who, who are we? We are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. He himself said he is the light of the world. And now he's leaving us to be that for him, to be his presence and likeness for the sake of the world. Of course, back in this day, there was no electrical power grid wired into people's homes, no electrical appliances. If there was no salt, that meant no meat for people. If there was no light, that meant you were in darkness. In other words, when the Lord calls us salt and light, he is saying that we're vital to his cause. The Lord is not saying, oh, you're just bonuses, you know, little optional add-ons. The Lord is saying, you, my people, are vital and indispensable for my plans and purposes for the world. You are the ones through whom I will preserve and bring flavor to the world. And, and you are the ones through, through whom, through, through your light, others will come to know the Father and be saved. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So brothers and sisters, we are salt of the earth, light of the world, city set in a hill. This is a radical calling. And as we go through the rest of the sermon, we see that he's calling us to radical behavior, that we're to respond to persecution with joy. We're to love our enemies. We're to go far in overcoming sexual sin and temptation. The Lord is calling us to take excessive measures to defeat sin in our lives. In other words, we're called to something radical. But here's where I want to balance that. And that's this, that we're to be radical and ordinary. Yeah, we are the salt of the earth, but, but we're just salt. Again, we can go through the sermon. We're called to reflect the king's values. We are just little humble people who hunger and thirst for righteousness in our life. Being salt and light means... Ordinary things like working on our anger, reconciling with a brother, trying to take steps to pull away from sinful temptation, trying to preserve our marriages, being true to our word, praying for those who are mean to us. 
what the Lord is calling us to, to, to be here as salt and light is, is something very ordinary. We're just called to be ordinary Christians who do the ordinary things that Christians do. And the reason I'm emphasizing this is because of how some of us hear this passage. Some of you may be hearing this podcast right now. You say, as, as maybe Matthew alluded to earlier, you say something like, I'm a mother of four. I help with, you know, the treasure seekers or the kids outreach at our assembly. I volunteer for this and I'm absolutely exhausted. And now I find out I also have to be salt and light. That somehow I have to, additionally to all that, I have to somehow change the world. And I just want us to relax a bit. No, as you live the ordinary Christian life, as you fulfill your ordinary callings for him, as you seek to be true to the Lord and distinct for him, a true follower of Christ, and as you seek to mix and mingle to, to whatever degree you can for him, you are fulfilling this calling of being salt and light. This is not adding tons of to-do items to our to-do list. Christ is calling us to be genuine Christians in the circles God has already called us to. Yeah, Mike, your comments remind me of a couple of books, actually. Several years ago, David Platt wrote the book Radical, which is a good book. It's not a mind-blowing book, but it's a very good book. I suspect many of our listeners have read that. And then what I think was a, a bit of a, a response to his book, not so much a correction, but just a, a balancing title, Michael Horton wrote the book Ordinary. And your comments are just bringing all of that to mind to me right now, Um some people can be overwhelmed by the call to be radical, but your point right now is that by being an ordinary, genuine Christian, we will, in a sense, be radical in the world. You stay-at-home mother, whom we appreciate very much, just by you living as a genuine Christian in your calling, you can be a light to others. You are being a light to others. Just by doing the ordinary things that Christians do now is becoming more and more radical by the day. And it's the same with the brother who says, I'm so busy serving with the church and I'm trying to help with the outreaches. And I, I take a Sunday school class sometime and I'm trying to do my job faithfully unto the Lord every day. And now I'm called to be salt and light too. But if, you, if you're doing all those things in a Christ-like way and for Christ, you are being salt and light. That's what Mike is bringing to us. That's what the Lord Jesus is teaching us. And the sovereign, gracious Father can use that witness of yours in these areas for his glory. Yes, and and here's just a great example uh, to show the power of this. Maybe you've heard of Beckett Cook, and he was a famous, well-connected fashion set designer in Hollywood. He worked with lots of big name, famous stars. And uh, he was also a gay man in relationship with another man. Uh, when he went to a trendy, hip coffee place, I think it was called Intelligentsia in Los Angeles, and he saw some young people at a table next to him with their Bibles open. Mm -hmm. And there they were with their Bibles open at, at Intelligentsia in, in LA. What, what were they being? They were being salt and light, seen and separate. And Beckett was curious. He he eventually walked over and started to ask them questions. At one point, he asked them point blank, do you believe homosexuality is a sin? And these, these uh, young people, they avoided the temptation to punt and to just escape social persecution, you know, and, and compromise what the Bible says. They were just frank and honest with him. They were salt and light. And they invited him to their church. And, and you see how everything is coming together here. They were separate and seen. They were 
truthful and honest. They maintained their distinctiveness instead of compromising. They were together. It wasn't just this, this whole story of how Beckett Cook came to Christ is not the story of one guy being a hero, but they were individual and communal, a, a collective of Christians coming together. And, and notice these believers, they weren't starting up a program to save the world. They were doing the simple, ordinary things that Christians do, meeting up together to read the Bible and pray together. They were just being salt and light. And Beckett saw it, and he went to church, and he heard the clear gospel of Christ, and he trusted in Christ and was saved, and now he lives a very courageous life for Christ. Amen. But I want to finish not by pointing to Beckett Cook or to the anonymous Christians that won him to Christ, but to Christ himself. As we mentioned last time, Jesus is the salt of the earth. He was separate and seen. He's the light of the world. And he went up on a hill where all could see him. There in the darkness, he shone. He shone out the Father's love and mercy. And you and I, we have come to see his good work, his ultimate act of love and sacrifice on the cross. We have seen his good work and we have trusted in him and we have given glory to his Father in heaven. How can, how can we do all three of these things, be separate and seen, individual and communal, radical and ordinary. How can we do this? Well, look at what the Lord's doing here. He's teaching his disciples. This is how we maintain our distinctiveness and our zeal for contacting the lost. It's by sitting at his feet. It's by letting him impart his ways and thoughts to us. It's in coming together as the church, worshiping together, hearing his preached word, doing the ordinary things Christians do. It's in this that our minds are renewed and our wills are empowered to be salt and light in our world, to meet the world's needs and to spread the Father's glory. Thank you, Mike. Excellent words, such helpful reminders. Brothers and sisters, thanks so much for listening today as Mike has taken his Bible and has set it down not just beside the stack of commentaries, but beside your dirty dishes as well. Hope you didn't get too much water or soap on it. Hope you were blessed and helped and encouraged in this episode. And we've got a couple more episodes coming uh, from some teaching in the Sermon on the Mount over the next two weeks, Lord willing. So we hope that you will come back and listen again. And we pray the Lord's rich blessing upon you. Thanks so much, Mike, for these words. You're very welcome, Matthew. All right. And may the Lord bless you all. Yeah. God bless everyone. Mm -hmm.